Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And on this episode, we have returning guest, a dear friend of the podcast, author, and all-around fucking badass, Lisa Cantorell. How's it going? Hey guys! Hey Lisa, thanks for joining us. Yay! Lovely to have you back as always. Uh, parting the kimono a little bit, uh, we had a lot of... We had about 30 minutes of technical issues, so I'm super <laughs> amped to talk about Jalos after all of that. But the fans wanted Jalo talk, so we worked through it. Listen, we're professionals, you know. We we will we will navigate Skype and Gmail. Okay, we're God's um, mission, God's Jalo. Exactly. Mission. We are all God's madmen. But the question is: Is anyone out there demanding that hot Jalo content, or are we manufacturing <laughs> a false demand? Oh, they're demanding it. They're demanding it. I mean, listen, if I learn anything from Rick Perry the, uh, this week, it's that, uh, you know, supply and demand. You, If you supply it, demand will follow. Exactly. Exactly. I, I take all of my economics cues from the current administration. <laughs> well, let me tell you, that is false, because I worked at Hot Topic during the Napoleon Dynamite merchandise boom. And just oh, because <laughs> you have the merchandise, I, I marked so much, so many Vote for Pedro bumper stickers out of stock and, like, you know... <laughs> Had to destroy them in a back alley in a That's controlled sad. fire. I always, I, I always assumed there was like a giant warehouse full of Napoleon Dynamite merch just going up in flames to collect the insurance money. That's pretty much what they did. Like after a while, they're like, "We, it has to go." There's so much of it. <laughs> this is like the most technical have... issues I've had ever. Oh yeah, I, I think there was one. Uh, there was one time uh, Quincy and I were doing a, a two-man podcast, and uh, I think we'd spent one full hour trying to wrangle it and then eventually defeated we were like do you want to do it tomorrow yeah i want to die okay yeah i cried uh during that that recording because i got so mad same i also <laughs> cried out of frustration uh, also lisa yeah. uh, what what's shaking what do you got going on right now because you've got um the ice cream girl gospels is that uh how how is that going um it's going i haven't been like doing it every day i need to get back mm-hmm. to it but i got um, these relatives came over last weekend, and so I, I read, like, the first two chapters to a 14-year-old and, like, a 40-something-year-old, and, like, oh, and got their feedback, and it was incredibly helpful. And they were both, Man, like... that's a really good, like, spread of yeah. people to get opinions on. And they were both, like, laughing, like, at the right parts and everything, so I was like, okay, good, this is actually, like, entertaining, it seems natural like the dialogue the characters everything is like believable and engaging so that's a really good sign fuck yeah awesome that's so good to hear like especially like because what you do like your work every time that i've read it i've also laughed my balls off (laughs) so i just i i I assume that it's like this for everybody because it's so like out there and splashy and weird that like no dude this is amazing like how i feel like the appeal of your work is it, it kind of speaks for itself i laugh when i'm writing it although there'll be parts where i'm just like <laughs> laughing my ass off as i'm writing it that's how you know you're doing it right yeah like uh no um and then the other thing i've got going on is the the my my podcast which is the get me with lisa dot and it's on itunes too um having a lot of fun with that having a lot of like really cool indie writers come on um uh, last person I talked to was Noah Cicero, uh, who has this awesome collection called Bipolar Cowboy, and he said that. Um, and we, I'm sorry, doing this thing where if they if they have and have read my book, 
where we like read each other like excerpts from each other's stuff and it's it's so much fun and he said his favorite line from uh dope was i am the fuck i am the fuckness i don't need to fuck to feel the fuck inside he said he was laughing his ass off Oh my god, that's amazing. So, and and so, like, especially for this episode, I love that because we're doing Giallo films, immediately we were like, yeah, we need to do this one with Lisa. <laughs> like, if anybody's down down to talk about some Giallo movies, it's it's obviously you. Yes. Yeah. So, what is a Giallo? Can we clearly define that before we get started? Yeah, it's a bit of a niche, isn't it? Like, I, I don't feel like a, I, this is, like, an obvious thing, like, slasher. Because you say slasher and you can picture it immediately. You say giallo and you you know your fingers are greasy like you've just eaten a bag of potato chips <laughs> and something smells funny. But it's hard to, yeah, explicate. Like, Lisa, how would how would you describe giallo? Honestly, I don't really think I'm qualified to do that. I, I kind of wish um, uh, my ex, Garrett Cook, was on here. I think he would be able to define it. Um, the way I would say it is just like uh, Italian movie from the seventies where a guy is killing women. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. And and they came out before yeah. slashers really were a thing. These are mostly seventies, yeah. late sixties. So it's uh, like leather the birth gloves. Of the slasher. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 not to be too like academic about it, but obviously like giallo mean is yellow in Italian, and it refers to like the cheap pulp uh paper that pulp novels were written on and it's um yeah super super pulpy super like exploitative super like just really just uh lurid weird shit and And generally it's like italian directors who mostly worked in this milieu yeah Yeah. and also weirdly classy at points like i would argue the bird with the crystal plumage could be taken as like not genre work but like a serious film for the most yeah. part, but also totally is lurid agree. and trashy at the same time. So it's like, you know, really classy and really trashy altogether. Like most Italian mm-hmm. cinema that I've experienced. Well, yeah, and, and I feel like if, well, and I feel like if you say Fulci or Argento, people know who who they are mm-hmm. because of a lot of their work. Yeah. But if you say Giallo, they, I feel like that's that's kind of harder to place. Yeah. And I feel like Mario Bava has also been getting his dues lately because. Most of the time, although I have the, I've only seen now, the Evil Eye this week, and that's pretty much all I've watched of his. Um, everyone, you know, nods when you say Mario Bava, like he's a big. Wait, have you ha- you have you not Sabbath. seen Bay of Blood? No, not yet. Oh I, yeah, we will talk about it on this show eventually. That's the point of this show is to get me more literate in <laughs> horror while neglecting every other genre of film in the world <laughs> you gotta watch black yep. sabbath yeah oh yeah black sabbath fucking it, it's it's incredible and also uh when i think of mario bava i usually think of bay of blood slash uh twist of the death nerve slash like it went by a million titles and uh it was super fucking splashy and what was great about it was that it was one of those gimmick horror movies where they would have gimmicks at the theater where you'd have like um, a last chance booth where before people would walk into the into the cinema, you'd have some fucking jamoke sitting at a booth being like, "All right, now this is this is your last chance before you go into Bay of Blood because what you see cannot be unseen and it will haunt you for you know whatever." And I've always wondered about that because like if you were working the the last chance booth, I imagine it's fun for the first couple of days, but after a few weeks of warning bored moviegoers about it, you're just like, 
It's fucked up, and you'll, you probably won't like it very much. Anyway, have fun. No, I think we should reinstate the Last Chance booth, because, you know, I had to go see Despicable Me 3 this week, <laughs> and if someone was like, hey, you know that it's an hour and a half of little yellow guys speaking gibberish and occasionally saying banana and farting, are you sure you want to go into this movie? Like... <laughs> You know, it's it's Steve Wait. it's Steve Carell doing two fake European accents in the sequel. You know, you sure you can handle that? Like, I think I would have appreciated your, it. Have you guys with your one wild and precious life? Yeah. Have you guys seen the Beguiled yet? No. No, I'm super excited because I've read the plot synopsis of the original. And uh, have you seen it? Yeah, I need to see the original too. Okay, so no that. spoilers, but. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe spoilers. Um, skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to know the answer to this. Do dicks get cut off in this new Sofia Coppola version? Nah. Oh, no. Because that's like the big push of the original is like... Really? Was it plenty... in, in the original, the cowboy has sex with all the girls at the convent, and they decide to get back at him by trying to cut his dick off. Ah, oh, man. No, she Good. totally vanilla that. Oh, well, that's dumb. Dang. Man, that's so dumb. <laughs> Man, I I love a good like dick getting cut off in a movie. That's because you're, like, that's, that's, that's... you're a good feminist. <laughs> oh, oh, sure. No, yeah, because it's it's that thing. Like, I think this is why I think this is why Alien is such a you know is such an enduring movie is because like you know a lot of guys watching this for the first time are like, wait, why am why are men giving birth to horrible demon creatures? Like why? Why are their faces getting like horribly violated by a by a face hugger? And like, I, I love that H.R. Geiger just wanted to make a bunch of dudes. He just wanted to spook some dudes, just make them really uncomfortable. Speaking yeah. of misandry, let's talk about the bird with the crystal plumage. Right. Yeah. So this is oh, a man. Blu-ray that we were provided by from Arrow Video, and dang y'all, it looks so good on Blu-ray. Like, I'm not... I am so jealous you got to watch it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I watched um, it on YouTube. Yeah, well, if, pick up this Arrow Blu-ray. It's also got really badass special um, features. I didn't get to... There's a lot of visual essays on them that I did not watch because they have in big, bold letters. These are about Argento's whole um, oeuvre, so it contains massive spoilers for most of his movies. So since I'm wanting to watch it for mm -hmm. this podcast... I didn't watch him, but there's an essay with Kat Ellinger, and she talks about how uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage is based off of this old pulp novel called The Screaming Mimi that was actually later made into... It was actually made into a movie called The Screaming Mimi before uh, Argento made his movie, and they talked about how it was actually influential on um, Psycho because the movie Screaming Mimi came out before Psycho and there's a shower murder scene and there's all these other things that are kind of influenced and take, uh, taken out of them. And it's like a really awesome, like, this film critic just hanging out in her apartment just talking about, you know, Argento and uh, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And there's a lot of commentaries and interviews with Argento and also just like... It sounds really good. Like um, the sound mix on the Blu-ray is really great, and the picture is really cool. And uh, yeah, go pick this one up if you haven't. Well, and gotten it and yet. like the and like the movie itself is so beautiful to look at. Yeah, it's a gushy, pretty looking movie. Yeah. Yeah, I and, and yeah, I appreciate how just it looks wet. 
if that makes sense. Like, everything like is just wet. super... <laughs> Yeah, Glossy. yeah. Like I feel like all the colors are so saturated in it, or at least in the version I saw. I don't know if maybe because yeah. I, I, I mean, you'll get that dug up a copy on Pokemon. Movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that weird art gallery where most of the movie takes place. Well, at the beginning and then it ends there, which I kind of don't want to spoil this movie because I managed to make it thirty years without getting spoiled. So I think we should extend that courtesy to other people. Because I think, like, the ending of this movie... I don't know, what do y'all think? Does the ending really matter? Is it a big twist, or is that kind of secondary to what happens in the movie? Uh, I mean, it is a big twist. Yeah. Well, anyway, so so we'll try not to spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it. Go see this movie. It's fucking good. Um, one, thing, one thing I will say about the twist at the end, I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really good twist. Yeah, it's a good twist. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, and the thing is, it, it's it's a twist that actually feels earned because I think a lot of movies, uh, going back to like you know Friday the Thirteenth and Sleepaway Camp and a bunch of stuff, I feel like a lot of movies give like you know pat themselves on the back for having like a big crazy twist that was not worked for or led up to in any substantial way. And they, yeah, I, don't, I mean, just, this like, has relying like several on the thing twists. Itself. This has it has several, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't expect any of them. Yeah, and, you know, does the word twist make either of your skin crawl like it does mine? Um, Because of M. Night Shyamalan? No, not because of M. Night Shyamalan, just the idea of, like, a twist ending and the phrase twist. I mean, it has to be really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. I mean, it it doesn't make my skin crawl so much because when I hear twist, I just think, like, plot development. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 a thing has twists, you know, parentheses and turns in it, I guess. Um, I, I think <laughs> twists are kind of like jump scares, and that they get a they get a bad rep because of bad versions of it. Yeah. Um, but the thing itself is just super basic storytelling. I think. I don't yeah, know. I that... found myself really underwhelmed by this one. I like. That's fair. I love Argento. Like my favorite Argento movies are probably I don't know, Opera and uh, Phenomena and um, mm-hmm. Inferno. So that that yeah. gives that away. Um, <laughs> sure. but I don't know. It just, I just felt like it was like a mess. It just felt like it was all over the place. And a lot of the stuff that was happening didn't really need to happen. And what I love about Argento is like kind of the, the Jungian and Freudian undercurrents. And I didn't really feel any of that going mm-hmm. on here. It's definitely, you know, that's a good point. It's definitely Argento watching Bava and saying, I could do yeah. that, but better. It's it's Argento watching, um, uh, crap, I'm blanking, Alfred Hitchcock well, and going, I can do that. And well, let me the tell fa- you, Argento, you, you can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the fact that this is his first movie, it's pretty good for a first film. Especially. Yeah. Yeah, for a first movie, I guess oh, yeah. it's pretty good. I mean, I couldn't say that I, I could necessarily do better. It, it Well, same, but I mean, like, also, th- this movie, I, I feel like, uh, for a first movie for Argento, he obviously hadn't really found his voice yet. Yeah, you can I think. see that. And you can really see that. And I guess yeah. that's what I was like, where's Argento? Like, he's not here. Like, this is just a, a yeah. plot with some random shit happening that I don't care about because I don't see him yeah. in here. You're Yeah, you're exactly right. It, it's like when you see, um, I hate to bring up wrestling, but it's like uh, there's this wrestler, wrestler no, you uh, don't. Shinsuke Nakamura. Don't lie. You well, love bringing up well. wrestling. <laughs> 
I, I, yeah, no, well, I, mostly because I'm like, oh, no, like, I, I like, I, you know, like, Lisa, I don't want to, you know, like, just be like, oh, so wrestling, and you're like, uh, that's great, man. Can we talk about fucking horror movies? Well, if we talked about um, wrestling horror movies, that would be cool. Oh, like an El Salto movie? Yeah. Uh, that would, that would own. Um, but I, it, it, real quick, my wrestling point is that uh, there's this wrestler going right now and has been around for a while called uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, and he's an alien rock god from hell, and he has, like, a Skrillex cut, and he dances like Michael Jackson, and I don't think he's actually human. Um, but when you see pictures of, like, baby Shinsuke Nakamura from, like, the mid-2000s before he became, like, Shinsuke Nakamura, it's weird, because you can kind of see how he looks like Shinsuke Nakamura, but only barely. Like, he barely looks like the same guy. And that's how I feel about uh, Argento and Bird with the Crystal Plumage, is, like, you can see kind of bits of who he's going to be eventually as an auteur, but... He doesn't feel comfortable yet in this movie. Yeah, you yeah, can it, definitely see that. Like, some of the kills... Also, I noticed it with the kills. Like, um, besides all the weird, like, psychological shit, like, issues with women and his mother and stuff like that, um, and the just great atmospheres and textures and how he pairs music with visuals, the other thing mm-hmm. I love about, about him is his kills. And I watch... You know, that's... I feel like that's... His movies are really just set pieces to show you cool kills. And the way the kills were shot in this was really weird because they were like, like they had the foreplay part, like the sensual ripping off a girl's dress with the knife and stuff. Like he's getting into foreplay, but then you don't actually see penetration of the knife on the body. Man, that's a really good point. Like, you don't really see... And especially, he's not shy about that in his later movies. Oh, no. It's like, that's what it's all about. It's like, how do... Watch various sharp objects penetrate these various hot chicks. Right. Which is, like, giallo in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely giallo in a nutshell. And to speak to the, the random thing, it really is like the detective work is free association. Because he's like... Bird call. I wrote a book about a bird. It's a crystal bird. Oh, look! This window just happens to be the window that the murderer's in, and now I'll go upstairs, and it just happens to be the right window. Or like, oh, there's a painting with a murderer in it, and then I'm gonna go talk to that painter, and that painter is gonna feed me a cat, and I'm gonna be really upset. And then that painter was weird. That was yeah. A <laughs> Which, I mean, the, the the biggest Argento thing that this sets up for me is the Argento uh, uh, director trademark of a bunch of crazy weird shit happens and he does not feel the need to explain it. Right. It, yeah. It's only um, at the end of the movie that the police officers on the TV in the background are like, yeah, I think that the killer had a mental disorder. And they're like, but, yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. about right. And then that's the end of the movie. It's like, I feel Which like every... really bad, like, speaking of Hitchcock, like, he does that in Psycho, where the psychiatrist at the end, like, says, explains, like... But the thing is, Psycho is an amazingly made movie. So you kind of forgive mm-hmm. this very sloppy strategy of telling and not showing and using voiceover and just all these things you're not supposed to do in a movie because it's just bad storytelling. It works... But here it doesn't work because it's just it doesn't hold up. You can't just summarize at the end and be like, "Oh yeah, this is what that was about." Like, come on. Yep. And so many Jalas yeah. are the American tourist that just decides that he or she is going to be a detective. Like that's a thing you can do. 
out of the blue. A lot of amateur sleuths going And everyone's always well. saying, I'm so surprised that there's this string of murders. Like, the entire Italian film industry isn't built off of this exact kind of movie. Well, that's what happens <laughs> right. when you go to Italy. You, you find yourself surrounded by murder. <laughs> exactly. That's I, I think, actually, murder is their primary export as a country, and it's not very bankable, so that's why their economy is constantly doing a swan dive down the toilet. Yeah, but, murder and hot I mean, that's just, their cult, that's just the culture. I mean, that's just how... Uh, it's just constant murder. Murder is big, big boobs and uh, fettuccine. Right, and blood, and blood the color of traffic cones. Yes, and that's what they got. That's my favorite part. One of my favorite mm-hmm. parts of this movie is how the the guy tries to shoot him and is wearing that yellow jacket and like he's able to disappear because there just happens to be a convention of boxers wearing the same yellow jacket. <laughs> <laughs> fuck's, fuck's sake. That's and like he literally walks up to guys on the street in oh, Rome yeah. and says, this man just shot at me. And they're like, oh. And then he just walks down the street and no one else follows him. They're like... That part actually reminded me of uh, Last Action Hero when you got Charles Dance as the baddie and he's, you know, a movie villain who winds up in the real world and then, re- then you know, he's in the middle of New York City and he, you know, just to test out the limits of the universe, like, shoots a guy and then starts yelling, like, I've just killed a man and I did it on purpose. And everyone's just ignoring him. He's like, I just murdered a man and I want to confess. And he's like, hey, shut up down there. And that's basically what happens in this movie. So I, I gotta say my favorite line in that, the, the crazy painter. Yes. Um, how he asks him. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, he says, I only paint mystical scenes. Why? Because I feel mystical! <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, that's, that's gotta be on a t-shirt somewhere, to be honest. Because I feel mystical! Because I feel mystical! Yes. So... Is the bird with the crystal plumage anywhere near as good as Suspiria? Fuck no. Oh, certainly not. Fuck yeah. no. Oh, certainly not. Mm-mm. No. Not even by a long shot. Yeah, not even in the same ballpark. So, is it anywhere near as good as, like, I don't know, Event Horizon, even? I don't know. I haven't uh, seen that, I don't think. I don't know. I may have seen it. Oh, there you go. I don't know. I'm tempted to say it's not as good as Event Horizon, but honestly, Friday Night Test, I feel like I could go either way. But I do know it is not better than Maniac Cop 2. You're going to say that Maniac Cop 2 is better than um, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage? Well, I think it, with the Roger Ebert uh, test of like, what is it trying to do and how well does it do that? I think Maniac Cop 2 has a clarity of purpose that Burbit the Crystal Plumage doesn't necessarily have. Now, the other side of that, I think that Burbit the Crystal Plumage takes more dangerous chances and is more uh, adventurous than Maniac Cop 2. But is it really taking Um, chances if, as you said, he's just copying Bava? That's true. So, listen, the Neon Demon is a couple of slots above that, and frankly, I think this movie is better than the Neon Demon because that movie's just copying... Uh, It's it's just a cut and paste well, argent uh, jalo in a way. I, I mean I feel like the neon De- I feel like the neon demon is like Dario Argento fanfic. Yeah, actually, even though it's Dario Argento fanfic, I find it much more watchable. So I'm gonna say neon demon's right. above it. Well, there we go. 
I think then it's got to go right below Neon Demon and right above Freddy's Dead because I think that it, it grieves me to put it above Freddy's Dead, but that's probably accurate. <laughs> Because I think it's trying really hard, and it's got a lot of good moments. And frankly, it's if anything, it's an assemblage of really pretty imagery, a really great uh, soundtrack, and like that mm-hmm. that unsettling jazz throughout is just really great. <laughs> oh yeah, and um, it's got really. <laughs> Do you good have a characters. good spot of unsettling <laughs> jazz? Yeah. Okay, so then. That's- yeah. Right below Neon Demon and right above Freddy's Dead is number 33 on the list. I think that's where it should go. Okay. I think so, too. Uh, which, I mean, it's good that we've we've only done one uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie on this podcast, because that's my favorite franchise, and I, um, I don't know that I can be objective about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we do Nightmare Part 3, and I'm just going to be screaming better than Alien with my fingers plugged into my ears screaming and crying nightmare part three is, is the best nightmare oh yeah so it's it's really really good i like that one a lot so hey the rest of this podcast is brought to you by our friends at shutter shutter is a horror streaming service uh it's like netflix but cheaper and more horror uh just added today was the movie vampiros lesbos have y'all seen vampiros lesbos I noticed. I saw half that, of it while very drunk. I noticed that, and I was like, "Shit, that looks like something I need to watch." Yeah, I I refuse to watch erotica on um, just the grounds of that's not my thing. But uh, I wonder if we should make someone watch this for this podcast so that we can rank it for posterity's sake. But... I'll watch it. I mean, if <laughs> I mean if I can watch Giallo films at my job where I work, I can surely watch Vampire Erotica. I mean, it's it's a hop and a skip. I am so I am... down. I am so down for Vampire Erotica. Same. I am so worried that you watched Cat in the Brain at work. <laughs> well, watch, watch it is a strong word for it. I, I, I kept switching tabs very quickly and mostly listened to Cat in the Brain. Oh, you're Listen. missing everything. Yeah, yeah. I sat down to eat lunch while starting this <laughs> That's movie. That's not smart. That's with not the cat. No. So the movie begins with. Were you eating a hamburger? Or, I or was. It was tartar. a burger. You should have eaten was... steak tartare. While watching. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Lisa, do you want to kind of just give a quick logline of what this movie, Cat in the Brain, is? Yeah. Um, so it's Lucio Fulci. Um, and I believe it's it's his last film, or his, near the end of his I career. I think it is his last film. Okay. Um, and it's this uh, amazing meta-cinematic experience that is also a murder mystery, that is also an exploration of madness, where Lucio Fulci plays himself um, directing a film, and then he starts to have these very violent visions, and he's trying, he doesn't know why he's having them. And then people start getting killed. So he's like, what's going on? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, yeah, it's literally just him clutching his face and screaming, I'm dirty! <laughs> and scuttling like a cockroach. <laughs> and for just like, most of the runtime. Did you catch the Nazi scene? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, no. See, now, now when, when I say ever. I mostly listen to it, I mean that I, I brazenly watched, like, <laughs> all of it by having to like rewind scenes because I realized that it was going to be like, Oh shit. Yeah, it's all There's going to be some titties and some murder and I got to make sure nobody's looking. Okay. It's all quick. visual. Oh Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I call it, I think this movie is brilliant and I rank it up there like with my favorite horror movies because 
I think it's like the horror version of Fellini's Eight and a Half, where it's a, a oh, yeah. meta film. It's an exploration, uh, really about what it means to be a horror director. And that's why I like Argento's Phenomena, too, because I think that kind of does that as well. Yeah, I Definitely. really like it's kind of that wink and nod, like, oh, because the, the psychiatrist watches all of Argento's movie, or all of Fulci's movies, and turns into a killer. And it's mm -hmm. that whole, like, oh, if you watch these movies, you go crazy and kill people, which is like, you know the the fertile ground for artists since forever is like yeah, yeah art makes you a bad person ha 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 yeah but like yeah. i don't know i i think that um i'm trying to put this delicately i think that us thinking about it applies more intention than the movie actually like the text itself doesn't show as much intention as we can apply to it because I, so. I feel like it's just a bunch of random scenes at certain points. It's just like, you know, a vehicle for this gore footage. Well, the point is that well, you are inside his brain. You're inside his psyche. So it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. But it's, he, he's like, just by the situation, you know, he's being confronted with the horror that he's created. He's created a monster by creating horror movies. He has sort of unlocked... Mm -hmm the darkness in himself and it's like a pandora's box that he can't close back up again and so as an artist you're always asking yourself you know am i making myself crazier like am i creating this or is this what's mm. keeping me sane and if i wasn't doing this i would go crazy and i think it is lucio fulci very much reflecting not just on his personal relationship to horror and why is he so drawn to it and why does he need it but also taking responsibility for his audience and thinking, you know, what, what am I bringing to them? You know, this has been my whole career. This is what I've done. What does this actually mean? Definitely. And, and also, I mean, it, it, it's weird to me. This movie came out in 1990 um, because, and, and it looks proper 70s yellow-ass film stock. Um, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it is cut together from footage from previous movies. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, like, bookended by, like, filmed in 1990 footage. And it's it's such a I honestly the thing about this movie I feel some kind of way about it because I really really love uh, a cat in the brain but then the other part of me just kept thinking about that Roger Ebert quote about Hellraiser two where he was reviewing it and he just fucking hated this movie and he in, meant to insultingly describe it as like this is a special effects demo reel that could be shot in any order without consequence to the plot but and he's right and that's great but well, what does that I, matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think for what Cat in the Brain is trying to do, which is, like, a fucking weird exploration uh, of a man kind of looking at himself and going, like, okay, why am I like this? I mean, it's not uh, just him. He's, he's reflecting it back at us. Why are you into horror movies? Why are you watching it? And definitely right. when I was watching this, I thought, like, I don't think I like horror movies. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the, the the special effects are so good like the the chainsaw the way that it it's like wax or something because when the teeth of that chainsaw hit it the neck just like disintegrates and blood splatters everywhere and like yeah the effects are fucking great. the effects yeah, are well perfect. it's fucking lucio fulci I mean, yeah yeah knows right. shit. exactly but yeah i was watching it going maybe i don't like 
horror movies. It, okay, what does this say? That I finished <laughs> watching Lucio Fulci. I was like, I need a good palate, palate cleanser like Mario Bava. A nice, wholesome oh, film yeah. like The Evil Eye. <laughs> well, The Evil Eye yeah, is Bob a is very just the, the ginger, movie. The ginger between yeah. the sushi. <laughs> well, and and The Evil Eye, like, I... You, you, like y'all mentioned Hitchcock earlier, I this to me was Baba basically trying to do Hitchcock. Yeah, you know, um, according to this really cool book by James Marriott and Kim Newman called Horror, um, which is like a reference book, they call it the first real giallo. Like it kind of sets the template for the entire um, genre because it's got the American who shows up that because of crazy random happenstance becomes a detective and, you know, sees a murder and it's got those point of view shots. It's also got that weird comedy that's in a lot of these movies. And that's why I think we can mm-hmm. count cat in the brain as a Jalo because, you know, you do get, Oh, it's those, funnier than shit. And, and you get those perspective shots, like even the reverse perspective of the cameras on the tip of the knife going into the girl in the shower. So like you see the handle coming towards the camera back and forth, mm-hmm. like, just that kind of goes with this whole and you know the deranged psychiatrist in his raincoat with an axe in one hand and a knife in the mm-hmm. other mercilessly well, killing and, and, hookers right and, well and, and the thing is also about um this movie that i I'm, I'm glad it didn't do and i was worried it was gonna is that i because i feel like when a lot of um when a lot of let's just say it really gross shitty dudes who were into horror when they describe why they like horror, it's it's I, I I always get uncomfortable because when when dudes describe why they're into horror and they're like, well I mean you know if I didn't watch horror I'd be out there you know killing people and it lets me you know vicariously <laughs> abuse women and and you know hurt people and it's like horror is not your mom it's not the job of the horror genre to purge <laughs> those spooky spooky impulses like there are so many reasons to be into horror and I'm glad that this movie went like. You know, it was him looking at himself and going, maybe I'm fucked up and that's why I'm into horror. Maybe I'm... And then it flips yeah. it and goes, maybe I'm fucked up because I'm into horror. Like, yeah. it, 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 I, I, don't, I don't think it's answering questions so much as just asking them and spilling great. it that's and being great like, art. I mean, you think about, like, eight, Fellini's Eight and a Half, and, the, you know, that movie, he's just kind of like, why am I fucked up? Why do I have writer's block? You know, he's, he, mm-hmm. there's no answers. It's just like, I mean, really the only conclusion he can come to is like, this brings me joy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, I, you know, this is him jumping through fountains of blood the way a dolphin jumps for joy in the fucking ocean. Right. He does it because he, he likes horror. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really, really like A Cat in the Brain. And also because it's not every movie that can make me legitimately squirm with discomfort, and this movie fucking does that. Yeah, it, it yeah, definitely does that. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, pushing boundaries kind of movies, like Necromantic or... Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, one it's, one of, it's one of those. Yes, I love Necromantic. Shit, even Imprint by... Like, it made me think of scenes from Imprint by Takashi Miike. That movie. Where... It's just, yeah, oh, Jesus Christ. Quincy, I think, do you remember, because I, I got that on DVD when we were roommates. Oh, I remember and I think watching we tried it with you. Watch- I've only seen it once, and I still remember it. Yep. <laughs> I actually don't think I've seen that one. It was the, his episode of uh, Masters of Horror that they Showtime said, yeah, we can't oh. air this. So we'll oh. release it direct to DVD because wow. 
it's not coming out. <laughs> Damn. Which was the comical thing that, like, with Masters of Horror, you know, like, the, the idea behind it was, like, yeah, you know, get a bunch of the horror heavies, like, Carpenter and Craven and all these guys, and we'll give them, uh, you know, they've got one hour to tell whatever story they want. Total creative freedom. Let's get Takashi Miike on the horn. And he was like, total creative freedom, you say? And they're like, yeah, Takashi. And he's like, okay. And then he makes it and sends it to them, and they're like, we can't we can't fucking air that. Fine, we'll put it on DVD and forget this ever happened. We're all fools. Uh, so for those listening at home, you can buy imprint used on Amazon for $1.80, and it wow. is $6.03 <laughs> at time of recording on Prime. So in two days, you can see this movie for yourself. And I recommend you seeing it. When Prime it, Day gives, it gives with both hands. Proper warning. Like, it is rough. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but like, but with Cat in the Brain, I feel like so much of this movie, I, I don't know, because like normally, I'm into it when a director does this, like, like when when it's when a director does the self reflection thing. Sometimes it has like questionable effects. Like I think Wes Craven's mm-hmm. new Nightmare, I'm fond of it, but I don't think it necessarily works as a self contained movie. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched any of the other movies, and this one had a kind of live like. This is his live journal at three in the morning, and he is shit posting about the dark contents of his disgusting yeah. heart. And it's so good. It's so good. It's a, it's a it's a masterpiece. I think it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But I would agree, actually. Is it better than the bird with the crystal plumage? Yes. Yeah. See, I would I push so. back no on that because I think that the, you know, in terms of like writing a tight narrative that works out and makes pretty good sense and the twist lands i feel like was harder mm-hmm. to do than fulci making a movie where the ending is just eh, shrug shoulders you know what are you gonna do <laughs> well there's what's the right. point of a interest of a tight narrative which was not tight by the way if it's not, <laughs> oh, no. if it's not interesting yeah this was 100 percent of random effects demo reel but it also i feel like if we uh it's now I don't know if this is just navel gazing, but I feel like although it doesn't make any goddamn sense and it's just a big weird bag of emotional shit. It makes total sense. I, There's a director. He's yeah. been making movies. He's starting to go crazy. People are getting killed. He doesn't know what's happening. What is there that yeah. doesn't make sense? Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly we needed him to turn toward the the camera and be like, "I may be undergoing psychosis due to the." No, like, but yeah. the, no, the you... psychiatrist literally says, "This is my plot. I'm going to do this to you." While you're, <laughs> he hypnotizes him and says, "Now I'm going to do all these murders, and I'm going to get away with it because you're hypnotized." <laughs> and like looks at the that camera the kind of and all say. but winks. It's like, "Ain't I a stinker?" <laughs> so I mean, okay, if yeah, this is a masterwork by by a master horror filmmaker who has had a mm-hmm. lifetime of amazing work and he's reflecting and on that amazing work like as a horror fan and as a person who's like really into like abnormal minds and understanding like psychopaths and serial killers it's just a whole mm-hmm. ball of catnip for me yeah I, and honestly it makes me want basically a version of cat in the brain from like i don't know like john carpenter i would love to yeah, see every director should john do john carpenter's like yeah like like john carpenter's primal vomit of yes. yeah like self reflection i would every love to see what that looks this. like i mean so, it's rewatchable mm-hmm. i i i rate movies by how rewatchable they are 
and it's very rewat for me. I mean, it's not everybody's thing, obviously, but. Well, I totally agree, and I think it also depends on how much I'm interested in the director themselves, because like I don't particularly care to see Nicholas Winding Refn's uh, <laughs> primal yawp of <laughs> self-reflection at all. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know about that guy's internal life because I don't care about it. But yeah, yeah, like, and especially with horror, I think a lot of horror directors want to keep, and I, and I totally understand this impulse. They want to keep like a reasonable level of space between themselves and the movies that they make because you have Wes Craven, like erudite, you know, J. Crew clad uh, academic Wes Craven. And he talks about these movies and you could tell that he, you know, A, he's like, this, you know, he was the sweetest fucking guy in the world. Yeah. And then B, it's like, you know, he, you know, if you had to bring a horror director home to meet your mom, you would want it to be Wes Craven because he's <laughs> thoughtful and kind. And, and yet, you know, or like David Lynch is a nice Montana boy, but he makes these fucking brutal things. Right. Well, Lynch and Hitchcock, you know, they're really like kind of zipped up. And then in their movies, you're seeing their messy subconscious bleeding all over the place. I mean, isn't that, I mean, that's why I watch horror movies. Yeah, same. Well, and, and it's also because like with, and now, and I feel like with Giallo or with horror in general, frequently the complaint is like, it's, you know, it's mostly women being brutalized on screen. And now the thing is, I think horror movies just take the subtext of so many other things and just actually make it text. Yeah. Like, a lot of genres and a lot of films, like, objectify women. Horror just goes that extra step and actually yeah. visualizes it. Yeah, I think that's a very shallow perspective, not really understanding how art works. Well, and, and it's definitely not on me as a rando white dude to be like, man, everybody's dumb for thinking horror's misogynistic, because I don't think, you know. Like, horror does have certain tropes and a lot of conventions that yeah. are really shitty and exploitative and need examination and, like, deconstruction. But I think what horror allows a lot of stories to do is to take these... I mean, like, you know, he took his skin off for me. Mm -hmm. It was able to take that idea and actually you know explore it and take it to its logical extreme where a guy is literally taking his skin off to simulate vulnerability yeah. i i see uh horror movies not just as the sort of subconscious um eruptions of that particular artist but also the the subconscious the collective unconscious and mm -hmm. uh social social things that are happening like i see that with argento movies i think a lot of his the themes, they're not just personal stuff. They have to do with Italian culture and how Italian culture views women. And he's just kind of, like, mm -hmm. showing it. Right. I'm going to throw a movie and... out there, and I want you to, to tell me if Cat in the Brain is better or worse than it. Audition right, by Takashi Miike. <sighs> Ooh. Uh, Quincy, you, you, you cut me to the quick. That's brutal. Uh, That's brutal. Fucking hell, man. Um, that would, would say, put... I would say Audition is a yeah. better made movie, but I personally like Cat in the Brain more. Yeah. Right under yeah, Audition I, I think is... Audition has a level of, like, in intentionality and yeah, craft Yeah, it's that very well crafted. Cat in the Brain doesn't I mean, have. It's, it's perfect. It's like a perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Right under that is Rocky Horror, Blue Ruin, The Mutilator, Maniac. Maniac kind of reminds me of Cat in the Brain in the way that it's like, 
here's all of the gore you want, but we're also going to make you feel guilty for liking it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, seen, like that subway chase uh, maniac. Have you guys seen Driller Killer? Not all the way yes. through. That's on the list. Uh, that's one that I started watching and then had to, to quit. Um, I, I don't get to watch movies in full uh, length sessions because I watch them like while I'm doing dishes and stuff. So like sometimes I'll start a movie and then I'll just have to go and not pick it back up. Yeah. Well, you're just a modern man trying to have it all. <laughs> <laughs> right? How am I supposed to be able to do that? Um, Honestly. So what what so audition is our ceiling. Uh, mm-hmm. What would be our floor then? What is it absolutely better than? What are the um, what are the movies? So how about the special effects? If, if we're talking special effects, the other balls to the wall special effect movie I'm thinking is Zyrum, and I don't know mm-hmm. if like we should reward creature design over just sheer technical accuracy with all that blood and gore yeah i man honestly deathmatch off the top of my head without thinking about it too hard i think i would give the edge to a cat in the brain yeah because i think it's a little bit more than just cool alien puppets well and it's actually got emotional beats in a way that i don't think xyrum does so really then speaking of emotional beats house is completely devoid of emotional beats in my opinion and that oh, yeah. might be just I, I, translation. This is better. This is just like this is better than House. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, does it yeah. go above or below Maniac? I, th- hmm. Lisa, what do you think? Have you seen Maniac? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. It's hmm. Pervy, schlubby killer scalps girls and nails their scalps to mannequins and then cries. It's like. Henry portrait of a serial killer, but in a porno theater instead of like an actual cinema. I don't remember it yeah. very well, so I can't say. I think that Cat in the Brain is better. Well, no, because there's that stalking scene in the subway. Ryan, what do you think? Man, I was actually you. I I was just about to bring up the stalking scene in the subway. I think. That scene might be one of, like, when I think of, you know how when you think of, like, heavy metal, like, describe what heavy metal sounds like to me. You're like, uh, the riff from, uh, Ace of Spades, or maybe Smoke on the Water, or Iron Man, or something. And if somebody described, like, asked me to, like, alright, uh, what, what is a horror scene? The subway scene from Maniac would be one of the first things that would come to mind as, like, that is what horror is. That's what that looks like. But also, Cat in the Brain would be, like, a good clip show, because it, it kind of functions as, like, a, hey, check this out. Cat in the Brain is the kind of movie I would have made my friends watch at a high school sleepover. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is one of those weird fucking movies. But, honestly, here, here's the thing. Between the two of them, I think Cat in the Brain deserves the edge, purely because everything Maniac kind of does, I, I think, all right, Cat in the Brain doesn't have any scares in it, I don't think. Like, it doesn't have any um, scenes of, like, you know, serious tension where you're kind of like, oh, man, is this person going to get out of this alive? Or, you know, like, it, and at no point was I scared watching it. I was grossed out and fascinated and, like, fixed to it, but I wasn't scared. And I think the scene in Maniac with the subway is scary in a way that not a lot of things are to me. So between that, I think I'd give the edge to Maniac. Yeah, so then we... that would 
mean that Cat in the Brain is number <coughs> 23 below Maniac and right above House. I feel you good know, I putting feel pretty it good there. About that. that sounds fun. I mean, that's yeah. still pretty high on the list. Okay, so next we're going OG with Mario Bava's The Evil Eye. <laughs> this is... I didn't care for The Evil Eye. Really? It's pretty goofy. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I think it was, um, I don't know, like, it was him trying to do Hitchcock, but it felt like Bava, I mean, it was 1962, and he must have been, like, what, eight years old when he made this? <laughs> but it, 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 it was like the cinematic equivalent of watching a, a goofy young kid uh, trying to put on his dad's necktie and clomp around <laughs> in his size 10s, and just yelling, like, I'm a horror director, and it's like, yes, Mario, absolutely. Um, but can we talk about <laughs> so how great like, Letitia Roman is? Is that the star? Oh, she kills. Yeah, yeah. She's fucking hot, man. And yeah, she her... is. And she 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 does a great performance. Yeah, her really, emoting. really emotional. Really, a uh, good range too. Yeah, I think it's her eyes. Like she's, she's got just great got eyes. very. Ex- oh yeah, just expressive as fuck. Just intense. Like she was, she was amazing in this. Um, and I think, I, uh, my I think my main problem with the evil eye is that. It takes way too fucking long to do something. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot of random sidetrack stuff. Yeah. Well, you kind of get mm-hmm. that with Bava in general, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like, he, he takes a while to tell a story. But, I mean, the things I liked about this were the atmosphere, um, the cinematography. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it just, mm-hmm. it just, it, it's classy. Like, when you watch a Mario Bava movie, you're gonna get, like, just that classy European feel. And it's so cool that it's got that classy European feel, but it's also a horror movie. Yeah, it's like yeah, I totally Bava agree. brings some gravitas to his, his work. But I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. this is maybe minor Bava in comparison, comparison to other stuff. It's like, it's, it's a good artifact, because yeah, it might be the first... And it might have like set up a pretty good formula, but it doesn't really do much. And it is weirdly goofy. Yeah, I oh, noticed yeah. that. It's kind of cool. Well, and it's it's weird to me. Well, and it's weird to me watching a 1962 film from the guy who in 1971 made A Bay of Blood. Yeah, but in 1960 was, he made Black yeah. Sunday, so it's kind of weird that this is in the middle. For sure. Yeah, this is this feels like the logical midpoint between that and Bay of Blood, and. Yeah, I feel like if... Uh, so here's here's my question for the two of you. If you could go back to 1962 and accost Mario Bava at the fucking deli and you had just seen a, uh, a cut of this, what would be the suggestion you would give him to make this a better movie? Uh, um, edit? <laughs> yeah. I'd say just take edit out those all, dumb... You know? um, <laughs> shots of the the portrait that have all the weird looks that was cool oh yeah oh the, yeah yeah the the, 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 per, the pervo portrait where it's just the eyes moving yeah it's kind of like okay come on that was weird yeah. like why did she just cover it if she thought like somebody was actually looking at her when she have <laughs> things out <laughs> she uses she uses like chiffon to yeah, throw it over like, the okay, thing okay now you can which see is, like, through a porn lens versus like <laughs> Yeah, so now it's got the Vaseline yeah. lens quality of like a, a, a mid '90s Skinamax porn. Thanks, man. Yeah, let me enhance your voyeuristic experience. Absolutely. I, I yeah, and I I feel like by the end of it, I was I was 
bored. Yeah, it's not. It's not like super exciting. It's. It's. I don't know. It, it probably just needed to be shorter, to be honest. And the ending of oh yeah. now I'm a uh, like. The whole movie is, I can't believe there's all these killings in Rome. Rome is such a peaceful, <laughs> calm city. And the end of the movie is a random guy murdering his wife on a <laughs> ski lift. And she's like, I get to right. solve this crime now. Yeah. It's like, mm, <laughs> uh, really? Of, I don't know about that. It's uh, kind of a mm. sloppy ending. I would agree. But I did like the Home Alone scene where she fills the hallway with thread tied to candelabras yeah, and books. And, and the cop oh, and the, yeah, her boyfriend good. fall through it. That's always mm-hmm. good. I I think, oh, I know what, I know what note I would make for him. Um, get rid of the voiceover. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's really intrusive and confusing. And, and then I think, like, is this, like, about... Is this about, like, a girl going crazy? Like, it made it confusing. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, maybe that's well, the point. Y- I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it touches on a bigger thing about a lot of Giallo movies is the sound editing, where everything is done via voiceover in, in Giallo films, where, like, nobody is speaking on camera as they're saying the thing. It's always overdubbed. Well, part of that is also because these movies weren't in English, and most of them are only right. available through dub. It's so bizarre, oh, though, like, because there'll be actors, though, that you can see are American, and their lips are matching, and then there's ones that aren't, like, like, John yeah. Saxon, obviously, like, he's American, and he's in the other movie we're going to talk about, too. Lots of John Saxon. Which, I, I gotta admit, I, I popped for, for John Saxon in this, because anything that John Saxon shows up in... I, I feel like I immediately throw my arms up in the in the the praise emoji and just yell veteran actor John Saxon because that guy's been around for eight million years and may he he's live amazing. in eight million more. I I love I love, John I love him and everything that he's in. He's so cool. Yep. So is the- I think my, my my favorite John Saxon story is that uh, when he played um, Lieutenant Thompson in Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven was like, yeah, he walked up to me, all business, and was like, hey, I've got some wigs. Um, do you want one that's kind of sparser or one that's a little fuller? And he's just got a big briefcase full of fucking wigs. And, that's a Because he's the consummate professional. That's a pro. Zero ego. He brings a case uh-huh. of wigs. Yeah, man. He's He didn't come here to make friends. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's a goddamn actor, you know? He's, yeah. So let's throw the evil eye on the list. Is it better or worse than Horror Express? Oh, I think it's better than Horror Express, probably. Really, it's better than Telly Savalas acting Buck Wild as a Cossack. Oh God damn it! That's Telly Savalas chews that train in half. He chews the scenery so much. He he sure does, and actually, that goes a long way. I think that might give it the edge, actually, over uh, the Evil Eye. Then I think it should go right under. Well, I don't know. I, I think I would rather watch. So right under that is the room at the top of the stairs. Uh, Ryan, which is better? I gotta say the room at the top of the stairs. Is better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so then so. it's better than Two-Headed Shark Attack. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. <laughs> yes, it is better than Two-Headed Shark Attack. Okay, so then that's Brooke number 63, right below the room at the top of the stairs, and right above Two-Headed Shark Attack. So let's yeah. talk about a really good movie, uh, Dario Argento's Inferno, which yeah. is a listener request. Our listener Scott Abbott asked that we talk about this, and thanks, Scott. Good job, this Scott. Li- this lighting design is like candy. 
Oh, like, man. I just want to lick oh, this movie. Yeah. Fucking yeah. vaporwave is shit. I mean, and it, Argento, it I, like, this is... It could be, like, total crap, but, like, with the lighting design and just the cool shit he does, like, that makes the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, especially, like, having, like, I, I feel like his thing is, like, having pink lighting on one side of a thing and blue lighting on the other side of it. Um, and th- this is also why I say that Nicholas Winding Refn basically made Argento fanfic with, with Neon yeah. Demon. Oh, he totally did. That, oh, yeah, because, like, and, and honestly... His lighting, I mean, th- this was basically a spiritual sequel to Suspiria. It's an actual it was sequel ma- it was... to Suspiria. Yeah. Because... Well, yeah, 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 but I mean, yeah, like, it, was a, it was a trilogy, thing. though, right? Yeah, yeah um, this is the second in the Witch trilogy. Uh, I don't think Suspiria was intended to have a sequel, but the, the, the opening dialogue where it's like the three mothers, it's right. like, oh, by the way, that movie you just saw, uh, this is a sequel to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and... This movie, and then the I, last one is what Mother of Tears, and that one yeah. kind of falls apart because it was in two thousand nine. Is when that movie yeah. was made. Mother of Tears wasn't it very sucks good because it had Asia, and I love Asia Argento. Oh yeah, although I like Asia Argento. I like that she's kind of doing her own thing though. Yeah, isn't she directing now? Oh yeah, like I she's yeah. I appreciate it whenever because it's like Brandon Cronenberg, like son of David Cronenberg. Uh, it bums me out when the son of a famous person does an inferior version of their parents' work because to me it's kind of, I don't know, like it, it's a, it's a thing that bugs me in wrestling as well, where you've got a like a second or third generation wrestler who's like, hey guys, my gimmick is that I have a dad, and it's they're not doing their own thing, and I feel like you know I I appreciate that Asia Argento does her own shit that's not just it's like Brandon Cronenberg made this movie antiviral which. I just fucking hated, and it, it was like it was like a really really bad impersonation of David Cronenberg, um, and you can't, oh, and, yeah, yeah, and you can't Arge- out Argento, Dario Argento. Yeah, it's like Joe Hill with uh, Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like Joe Hill though. I mean, yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Nosferatu. I, I quit reading Nosferatu because it's absurdly large yes Um, it is daunting (laughs) but it's still i think his books are fun he just like his dad he needs an editor to say hey quit doing that you know (laughs) yep it's like really i think a lot of authors need editors to (laughs) say yeah people aren't gonna want to read that yep everybody needs an editor which as an as an editor by the way i need that to to make money but also because like I think one of my favorite meltdowns ever was Anne Rice on uh, the Amazon comment section writing this giant angry screed about how everybody is wrong for not liking her new book. And there's a bit in there where she, you know, and, and which, first of all, I kind of can't shit talk Anne Rice too much. Well, I mean, I can, but I feel like just about anybody would disappear up their own asshole the way that she has if they had her level of success and insulation from yeah. criticism. Um, but, like, there's a bit in there where she's like, you know, I've worked very hard to get to the point where I don't... I don't need an editor to chop, distort, or in any way change my very carefully chosen words because they're all perfect. And I, and and to me, like as an editor, it's like no, everybody needs one. Like, you need somebody to stand. Like Stephen yeah. King needs somebody to stand by and go. You know, maybe this janitor who's going to get murked by a, a monster in the next five pages. Maybe we don't need to know about his childhood trauma before he dies. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs an editor. So, because. Yep. Um, Inferno is a sequel to Suspiria. 
is this a case where the original's better, or is this a case where Inferno actually is better than Suspiria? I'd say it's better, and it's not really a sequel. They just say it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's its own movie. They're just like, yeah! It, it's like the, the Animals trilogy. It's like a fun mm-hmm. arc. It's a fun tie-in. Like it's it's a yeah. mythos, you know the the three yeah. brothers. It's like a it's mythos. a sequel. It's a sequel the way the Devil's Rejects is a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Where it's like technically the same characters, but I feel like it kind of almost has nothing to do with the previous movie. Where it's these characters, but then it's like, all right, let's see. <laughs> it has see. really nothing. Yeah. I mean the witchy theme. That's really it. And I think I actually do think it's a better movie than Suspiria too. I think color lighting design alone is just so good well i think it's almost like he did suspiria and then went "Mm, i could do it better and then made a better version of the previous one i think he goes deeper with i think inferno is is like the middle of his like golden age where he was really finding himself as an artist phenom i mean suspiria is kind of the beginning of Argento, like, really being Argento. Like, that's a lot of people's favorite Argento movie. It's not mine. I feel like it's very surface and kind of, like, a put-on, but it's fine. I don't find it that engaging, personally, besides looking nice. So, above Suspiria is the top ten. So, this is where this podcast gets buck wild. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we're we're about about to ship the bed, folks. It's gonna happen. Yep. So, right above Suspiria is Mulholland Drive. Um, and he, yeah. and here I gotta stand for Mulholland Drive. I think. How does Inferno? Yeah. I think. I mean, is Suspiria is Mulholland Drive better than Suspiria? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was a lot less painful than I thought it would be. <laughs> That's pretty fucking okay, cut and so dry. New actually, well done, guys. Is Sorry, Inferno. <laughs> Yeah, we've got, yeah, inter- internal logic uh, there. And on that note, we are out of time. Oh, but so we can't talk we about go. the fucking, what was the other one? The Christmas? The Christmas Black Christmas, oh, hell, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, if, no, if fuck we it. we can do it in like five minutes. Yeah, we okay. can. Because I'm sleepy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a little Under- bit of a cold I want to oh, go take I forget, care of. I forget not everybody oh, lives on the baby. West Coast. Yeah. I know. It's, um, I'm real, really put upon. You've so got like a cartoon. You... I- you've got a cartoon ice pack on your head and a giant cartoonish thermometer. Yeah, I do. No, I've I've been hitting mute every time I sniffle, so hopefully that won't come across in the recording. So Black Christmas is amazing. Yeah, this this movie is like a good version of When a Stranger Calls. Yeah, yeah, and I think that Bob Clark makes that those obscene phone calls like the most <laughs> disturbing that could possibly be like i was actually uncomfortable with the audio of those calls yeah it was unpleasant um i don't know i, I feel like people are like really into this movie and it, it comes up a lot and i i don't know i felt like it was kind of overrated yeah which is the better bob clark christmas movie a christmas story or black christmas I don't, I don't know if I've seen the other one, so I don't know. You've never seen A Christmas Story with, like, the BB gun and, like, um, like you know, re- you'll shoot your eye out in the pink bunny suit and, like, the turkey and all that? Uh, is that the one where there's a Santa in, a, like, a 
peep show booth? Is that another no, one? that's another one. <laughs> that one's good. That one's fucked. But up, yeah, man. like 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 Black Christmas. I, I feel like uh, this is um, this is one of those movies that I feel like is it might actually be the best Christmas horror movie. Like either this one, I, I did. Um, well, shameless self plug. I uh, I did a stupid Hall- or a stupid Christmas horror no. uh, listicle for the hundreds, where I, I I I put either this one or Christmas Evil as like maybe one of the best christmas horror movies i would say um jack frost is better <laughs> but that's just personal opinion oh with the what? with the with the, with, the, with the holographic cover on the vhs box no that's jack frost 2 where he goes to hawaii oh i beg your pardon thank you the original jack frost did not have a now someone's gonna at me on twitter and be like nah dude it's got like this um I got to be careful because I'm on the show's Instagram a lot and I, I'm trying to like just scroll through and be nice and say like, yo, your VHS collections are great. But most people use Instagram to sell you things. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I got to be careful because I think I keep making inadvertent enemies because everyone's like that fucking window shopper. He's just like, because <laughs> like I see, you know, a, a VHS copy of the mutilator and i'm like oh my god that's beautiful and then i keep scrolling (laughs) and i think what they want is for me to say you know to dm them and say like okay here's the money for it i'll buy it but i ain't buying vhs's i just want to look at them the one i'm thinking about is it's silent night deadly night yes Uh, see i'm not that one is i'm not a big fan of silent night very it's very controversial it's it's fucked up. It, it it is, but I feel like uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mostly, what I like more than the movie itself is the cover of the movie that scared the bejesus out of me as a kid, where it's a Santa arm going down a chimney while holding an axe. And like Silent Night, Deadly Night, I feel like the movie falls apart for me after like real quick. Um, I, I mean, it's really trash. Oh, it's super trashy. I, which is fine because that's guys. But it's kind of. I mean, cool. I mean, I'm, I, mean I, I love that. You know, I'm into trashy, but I, I feel like Black Christmas has, I don't know, it clicks like it. It stands alone I mean, as a horror it's movie. It's got Linnea Quigley. Ah, uh, true. That is true. Is that? I'm still confused that this is the one with the peep show booth. This is this. Is there a peep show booth in this one, or am I still thinking of another one? I don't think there's a. If there's a peep show booth like, in this, I think I'm. There's one. It. There's one with like a peep show booth, and it's awesome. Like you actually like this guy who's like in there. He, like, gets killed as he's, like, coming, and he, like, sprays blood and cum, like, on the glass. That's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that so, just makes me think of the howling Black, immediately, um, for whatever reason. Yeah. Black Christmas is actually considered to be, like, the first slasher movie. They call it, like, a proto-slasher, because it came out in, like, 74, and mm-hmm. Halloween came out in 77? Is that right? Uh, 77, yeah. Yeah, and Halloween took all these POV shots from, um... Or 78, excuse me. Yeah, Black Christmas. And, like, I think a lot of the slasher, quote, rules, unquote, come from this movie. And, like, the fake-out ending came from this movie, which that ending is, like... Oh, excellent. it's And great. I don't want to spoil that one because, again, I think it makes the movie... But like the the and it's such a like quick ending that you're like 
huh? And then it's over. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, that is good. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. But here's my question. Mm-hmm. What is a better slasher movie? The Mutilator, which is like a nice, you know, moose-boosh after, uh, I don't think I'm using that word right. A, a nice refreshing no, like, change look, of yeah, pace, we'll or it. the original. I feel like I, I feel like I'd go with the, okay, the mutilator is. I, f- I feel like the mutilator is probably better than Black Christmas. I don't yeah. think I've seen it. Oh, um, it's so it's good, so good. Dude, you you um, specifically would love it. When you get off the call, look up the um the song Fall Break. Uh, it's got a theme song. <laughs> Fucking Fall Break. It's like a oh. original song. And it is the like happiest pop song that's also kind of about home invasion. Nice. It's really good. Which um, the, fu- it's, it's it's the funniest also- transition I've ever seen in a horror movie where it's like, oh no, there's this kid who accidentally kills his mom and then the father is and then fall break and it just goes into this happy pop song and it's the funniest transition. That sounds pretty cool. So with that note, I'd say that Black Christmas should go right below the Mutilator then and right above Maniac because Yep. I would agree. I think the original it's like, you know, the original taste of uh, my metaphors are mixed. I'm sleepy. So, on that note. That's fair. Say say that word you used before. What was it? Bougie or whatever? Oh, Moose Bouche. Oh, uh, I think yeah, it was like a yeah. French <laughs> I, what I, is that? I know it. I know that? it's food related. Okay, That's what I'm googling I it right now. I've never it's... heard that word before. A mousse bouche <laughs> is like it's French. It's um, often accompanied by a complimenting wine. They're like little desserts. <laughs> Mouth amuser is what I... it means in French. Right, I, well, I know the word. In... That movie was like an eclair. Yeah, I know the word amuse-bouche entirely <laughs> because eclairs? of the show Hannibal had an episode titled amuse-bouche. I rate Inferno six eclairs. <laughs> yes. Man, uh, on that note, the Belko experiment is like 20 chicken McNuggets. Like, it's about as flavorful as 20 chicken McNuggets, but strangely as satisfying as 20 chicken McNuggets. Mm, now I want chicken McNuggets. <laughs> so, Lisa, where can our listeners find you online? Um, um, check out my podcast. It's super cool. I talk to cool people, talk to cool writers. Um, uh, it's getlitwithliza.podbean.com. And also you can look for Get Lit With Lisa on iTunes. And aside from that, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to see pictures of the books I'm reading and pictures of my cats and way too many selfies. Um, and check out the yesclash.com website. Yeah. Uh, we are on iTunes and Podbean, rankandvile.podbean.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes and you want to rate and review us, that really does help us get uh, new listeners. We have a Tumblr, rankandvile.tumblr.com. Is it Rank and Vile or is it Rank and Vile Cast, Ryan? I can never remember. No, it's for real, rankandvile.tumblr.com. I'm shocked that we got that handle. Um, if on our Tumblr there's lists to, uh, there's links to the full list, there's a lot of really gory gifts. So if you don't like gore, turn your Tumblr saver on. Um, there's links to our Letterboxd page. We're pretty active on Twitter, uh, at Rank and Vilecast. 
and we have an Instagram at Rank and Vile. If you want to be like Sarah Pyle and Scott Abbott and have your favorite movies talked about on our show, shoot us an email. Um, our email is rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um, Ryan, can you think of any other news or notes? Or I anything? cannot. I believe that's about it. All right. Have a great week, y'all. Bye. Later, guys. Bye.